All right. Well, this is uh, our first episode of Production Masters, taking your production business to the next level. I am here. This is Max Kaiser. I'm here with uh, Jake Rorda. Hey, I'm Jake. Nice to be here. Yeah, Jake and I uh, run Pipeline, uh, the video production management platform uh, that we very much hope that you all will give a shot to. But uh, this this podcast is really just to talk about issues of the production business that uh, that we learn the hard way. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I've got a background of about uh, uh, 15 years in, in video production, uh, running um, a production company up in Seattle uh, that... Uh, that did pretty well. We, we, by the end, we were doing about uh, one and a half to $2 million in uh, annual revenue. Uh, and we were making, most importantly, making some really, really great videos that, uh, that we, that we loved making. And uh, Jake, Jake was along with me for at least uh, three. I joined four. the last four years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and Jake, Jake really helped me to uh, manage the business side of things. Um and really came at it with an eye for the business stuff. Right now, we just have the two of us for this podcast, and we thought that uh, we might as well just get started with them and talk about the issues that uh, so many of us maybe don't even want to think about. <laughs> so a lot of you are probably listening to this, have, has, have either thought about or are thinking about or need to be thinking about getting a uh, some sort of salesperson uh, for your organization for your video production company. And uh, that's that's a tough, as I'm sure you know, that's a, that's a really tough thing to do in our business. We wanted to talk kind of about why, why that's a good idea, what are some of the benefits of it, and what are some of the things to watch out for? What are some of the risks? Yeah, so like what, some of the reasons why you might be thinking about doing this. Uh, you want to get out of that cycle. There's a cycle that is the feast or famine cycle of having way too much work, getting completely slammed, completely getting out of any kind of marketing sales role at all that you you probably are playing in addition to doing everything else at the company. Uh, and then by the time you finally finish up all that work, you have no work and you're totally flat broke again. It's a very stressful cycle. We totally experienced that a lot. And yep. we'd, we'd have times where we were selling, then too busy, then wouldn't be busy at all. And it was just hard to break that until we had someone that was worrying about sales and we had separate people worrying about shooting. Brings me to the next uh, reason why you might want a salesperson is just because you got in this business to be out there shooting, not to be selling. Uh, that's they're not always the same people that are great at the sales side and great at the the shooting itself. So if you're the type of person that got into this because you want to be shooting, then hiring a salesperson may be that natural next step so that you can focus on what you want to do, but still grow the business. Yeah. It was always a dream of mine to be able to have some kind of salesperson so that I didn't have to do something that I, I didn't think I was that good at that I didn't particularly like. Um, you know, I just, I just wanted to be out shooting. I wanted to be out creating. I wanted to be out making beautiful uh, videos and, and films, you know, so selling was kind of like the last thing on my list that I wanted to do. And I, I just felt that I was fairly crappy at it. Um, and I was just like, wow, if we, if we had a, a someone good at like sales, actually imagine, imagine what we could do. So it was, it was a dream, you know, it was like, oh, what do you I remember as being your your revenue limit, like what, 
ceiling couldn't you break when you decided to bring on a, a salesperson? I mean, I think a million, I think it was like, I think we were trying to break a million. I think that it was, you know, we probably had five or six people working in the company and we were trying to break either 750 or a million or something like that. Um, and it just had been elusive probably as about seven years into running the company. And, uh, and, and really, you know, we didn't, we didn't really even have any kind of sales. We had a website um, and, and people come to the website and find our work. And I still, you know, still say that that's, that's like critical and key. And we probably should do an entire podcast about how powerful the website can be in getting you sales. But mm -hmm. otherwise I just went on every call and got on the phone with every potential client and, and talked to him. I wasn't directing everything anymore. And that allowed us to grow a lot. Again, something else we need to talk about is that, that, you know, when we kind of cross that 500, mark or even like two 350 mark it was like stop directing everything you got to bring in other directors and trust other people and all that kind of stuff so i'd, I'd say it was but then then i thought oh i'll just be like the salesperson and then i kind of just didn't really love that that much but we, we just kind of so got said, go ahead you said you didn't make a good salesperson what what about yourself would you say didn't make you a good salesperson and what did you look for when you did finally decide to bring on a sales. So number one was I was always too willing to give everything away. <laughs> I, was, wow. I never, never like, I was always such a dream to me that people were willing to pay me to do this and pay people I worked with who I considered my friends to do this, that it was, it was just, it was just, I, I never valued myself highly enough. And I just mm -hmm. didn't, I, I would be like, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. And we were constantly giving it away. So that was one thing. And another thing was just not following up with people enough, not, uh, you know, following up with, with different, uh, 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 folks that I needed to, um, I don't know, not really feeling, I, I hate networking. I hated going to networking events or like going to meeting with agencies, just all the stuff I knew I needed to be doing that I did, didn't want to do. <laughs> Would you also say that there was some pressure to keep your team busy? I mean, kind of a take work at a less profit rather than take no work. Yeah, absolutely. You get to the point where you're just feeding the beast, you know, especially then we were all salaried. And so, uh, you know, you just are just, yeah, you're just taking whatever kind of work. So you get kind of caught up in that as well. So, but I mean, we kind of stumbled into, so the, the guy that we stumbled into, and I'm, I guess it's okay to say his name. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, um, but the guy we stumbled into is still a very close friend of mine now runs his own production company and, and, uh, Chris Donaldson. And, and, and he, he was someone I met at an agency. And then when he left that agency, he just was like, Hey, can I, um, can I just come over and, and, uh, and, and kind of consult with you? And, and it was, I was kind of taken aback. I was like, I don't know. This guy was so like good at talking to people and he was kind of very gregarious and, and I, and he wasn't, we weren't even really talking about sales. He was just sort of interested in what we were doing. And he loved, loved video, just like the rest of us. And he had some background in doing it for agency. Um, but, you know, I just, he wound up just getting a desk in our office and just sort of working with us for like months for very, very little pay. I don't know if we paid him anything. I think he just sort of joined in and, and and was just interested in the process and uh, i think he had uh two young girls at home and he was kind of happy to get out of the house occasionally too so <laughs> we gave him a place to do that but it it was a very uh it, it was a very slow toe in the water uh situation and, and he certainly 
I don't think he even started as like sales. He was just sort of someone who was like, I might know some people that might want to do a video. And, and, uh, and that's kind of how it began, you know, and, and that Chris just went on to be like insanely successful for us outselling me, you know, by quite a bit and um, really opening up just tons of doors for our company um, and taking it to the next level on, on every front. So he really wasn't a sales person. He was a guy that loved video. He was an agency guy. He was oh. an agency guy. He was from agency. Uh, there was a big local agency in our town and he was there and had moved up here to be part of that agency. And then it, it just didn't, it didn't work out between him and the, the, the folks there. Cause Chris is, is a really gregarious one of a kind kind of guy. And the company was kind of a very uptight agency. And, and so he kind of found a home with us and we were all kind of cowboys and, and, and he, yeah, he wasn't a salesperson. He was just an agency guy, but he, he, he just was really good at talking to the client. You know, he was really good at talking to the client and he, he loved the, the vision of making incredible videos for folks. And that's what we were doing. He really fell in love with the vision that we had at Handcrank for the kind of videos we were making. And, and he loved the guys. He loved going on shoots. He just loved everything about it. And he just, he just sort of dived in and, and, and made the most of it. And then initially, you know, the first six months, I think his sales were just like, just pitiful, like nothing almost. He just could not close a deal to save his life. You know, I, one thing I remember about Chris and, and to continue on that point, I, I definitely, when I came along, he was selling big time. So that yeah. must've just been the first six months. But one yeah. thing I remember about him, uh, it, as maybe this was because he came from the agency side was he was always caring about what the client needed and solving the client's problem. Yeah. And he wasn't, he didn't care or not to say he didn't care, but he wasn't worrying so much about what was happening inside the company with what producers on what shoot, right. that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, his his focus was what's the problem that the client has and how am I solving that? Absolutely. I mean, and I think that came from agency, right? Like, and it, it was just, he, he, you're right. And he wasn't worried about like what kind of camera he was going to be shooting on, or, you know, he wasn't worried about, I mean, he wanted to make beautiful videos, but he kind of left that up to the directors. Um, but, you know, it was more about like, what does the client really need? And he would just stay uber, uber focused on the client in that regard. But he also, and I can't repeat this enough, like it was just his genuine love for uh, making these videos for the clients, which I think is what made him really successful for us. And then made him really successful uh, when he, you know, went on and started his own company uh, after we, you know, after we sold Handcrank. So, I mean, it, 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 it was also, I think key is like, he just was really smart from the beginning saying, I don't call me a sales guy because people, people just go running from a salesperson. And he was like, call me an executive. I'm an executive producer. And mm -hmm. so we did, that's what we called him. And that's what he did. And it wound up actually being what he was. He actually wound up you know, being very, very involved in the creative of these uh, films that were being made, you know, sometimes writing the scripts, sometimes directing, uh, you know, so it, he, he really was, he, it wasn't a fake, you know, name to call him an executive producer and not a sales guy, but it was critical, right? Because the client wants to think they're talking to the person that's going to be making their film. They do not, do not want to talk to a salesperson. And that was something, you know, that, that uh, I don't think I learned until later when we tried, 
you know, replicating, you know, what we had, we just were like, when we wanted to grow to the next level, we wanted to go past 2 million. We're like, let's get another salesperson. But this time let's get like a real sales pro. And that just totally failed. 100% did not work at all. We got this, this woman who was uh, very good at selling things, um, had a really strong sales background, knew all the sales, you know, information. She loved selling things, but she just didn't know video. She didn't, understand the product. She was never really going to be a director herself. Uh, and we put, you know, nearly a year into trying to work it out with her and we just could not, she, she basically had like maybe five or $10,000 worth of sales the entire time she was there. So it sounds to me like to sum up what you're, what you're, what you want to look for in a salesperson in our experience is someone who's high level in, in making the video, but is involved in making the video who's coming at it from a client problem solving side and don't look for, and especially don't call them a salesperson. Yeah. Like don't even worry about like looking at their resume and, Oh, what's your sales experience? Like it doesn't matter. (laughs) They could have sold like a million printers and it will never have anything to do with what they're going to be able to do for selling your video. Like if I were to do it again, I'd be looking at it and saying like, you know, what videos do you love? What, what, and, and honestly, go look in agencies because it's not hard to find people at agencies that are really unhappy <laughs> because agencies can be really uptight places with just a lot of layers of sort of bureaucracy. And yeah. it's not hard to find a person at an agency, particularly one that loves video that wants a lot more freedom and a lot more latitude. And I hate to say, it, but production companies have a lot more freedom and latitude than agencies do. We just, we just always did because we weren't as beholden to trying to like make all of the client happy all of the time. We, we had to come in with our own angle and our own kind of thing that we were trying to make for them to even give us any reason for being. So I think that when you find someone that kind of has a little bit of a renegade spirit, kind of, um, but just loves, loves the work, um, obviously have to be a real hard worker and everything, but, uh, that that's the main thing. And like, unfortunately sales experience just matters for nothing. Um, you know, that, that's, that's what I would say is like, just get, get that type of person. And then you get into the question of like, okay, how are you going to pay this person? And I think that is, uh, <laughs> I think that is also a very tricky thing to do. And, and that's why you need to basically have a certain level of um, income in the company already, a certain level of profit in the company already before you can even really start thinking about bringing the salesperson on um, because it's going to cost you a little bit in the beginning and you're not going to get anything back on it for quite a while. So as you, as you mentioned before, there's that, that run-up period, that runway to get started, Yeah, probably six months. And you're you're going to need that cash cushion in your company. You're going to need the rest of your company supporting yep. things in order to cover whatever you're paying that person. Yep. And, and I, I would add that you need to be at a point uh, where the company is running itself in some way that you can focus, you can spend your time uh, helping that new salesperson with your runway as opposed to... I mean, that would be ideal, but we were a long way from that when, when Chris started working with us for sure. I mean, he was a lot of a self-starter and I think that has to happen too. They kind of find their own way of doing things. Like Chris really defined his own ways of doing things. Um, and, uh, I I just didn't have the experience to really mentor him at all. Um, so, I mean, 
honestly, for most folks out there listening to this, I think that it'll probably wind up in the same position because you might be around 500,000, 700,000 when you can start affording this. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless, you know, unless you go in some kind of partnership, which you definitely could do, you know, I'd say that could work too, if you're at a much lower level, but you're like, okay, he's willing to, you know, you're just going to share profits and just being a partnership from the beginning of ownership of the company and the profits totally mm. could work. Mm. Um, but I'm just saying like, if you're a sole owner and you like it that way, then you just have to be ready. Cause you're just not going to get anyone to work just for commission, uh, in the beginning. Cause they'll quit. Cause they just won't make enough money, uh, in this, in this marketplace, particularly it's, it's so easy for folks to get a job. Uh, so you're going to have to be willing to put some money on the table for them each month, even when they're not selling anything. One thing you can do to mitigate that I think I really recommend is send that person on a whole bunch of shoots. I mean, Chris would, he would kind of be a PA. He had no ego about it at all. And that's something else you want to look for is someone like that. That's like willing to go on shoots and, and just get down in the dirt and learn how it all works. But that saves you money too. Cause that's an extra body on set that you're not paying, you know, outside of that guy's salary. So, um, oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend that like that. And that really helped. He needed to understand. He needed to see one of the things Chris was crazy about that. We put forth a really professional vibe on the set with the client. And I think before he started, we did not do that. And he, by being on those teams, he saw that happen because Chris will tell you that it's all about relationships. That's how he did it. That's always his answer. It's like, how did you do it, man? And he's always relationships, but those relationships were based on constantly trying to make a really good impression. That was one of the really important things to him was making a great impression on the client throughout the process. And he watched out for that. He owned that relationship and he owned that like, you know, um, uh, kind of like onset experience for the client and made it really rich for them. And that's cool, particularly with agency agency wants to have a good time when they go to a shoot and it's kind of up to the, the, the sales person, the EP, the AE, whatever you want to call them to give them that experience. Even when you don't have, you don't have to have a lot of money. You just have to put out some M&Ms and kind of care about them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're always worried about caring for someone else show that yeah. you're caring for them. Exactly. Exactly. It makes a big difference. And I think that like, you know, just, just in general that they know that someone's looking out for them and he was really good about being that point person. And that's how he made those relationships and he would go visit them. And he would, you know, he was so good at beating the street down in Seattle. Everyone thought the company, he owned the company, not me. And I I was fine with that, but like, it it was just because he was just really on it and happy to meet with folks and, and do all that kind of stuff. And I mean, like I said, it was just a really great relationship, but I think that you can, I think folks can copy that uh, just by looking for that kind of person that is gregarious, loves film, willing to get down in the dirt, um, obviously willing to be flexible on pay because you just got to have that. Um, And then I think later on pay, you can definitely work out, you know, we worked out some over time, uh, you know, they, they were kind of complicated in the beginning, the, the pay structure that we used. Um, you know, I think it was like a, he would get 15% of everything new that he brought in. Uh, and then he'd get seven and a half percent of anything of that thereafter. Uh, and then anything he got from a lead from us, we would get 10% for closing it and 5% thereafter and, and so forth. And that, that turned into some pretty good cash, um, by the end. So um, let's talk about sale, uh, pay structure from a broader perspective yeah. for a second. Yeah. There are a few different ways that we tried and you you talked about one that was just a simple commission on the top top number, the revenue. Yep. Yeah. That 
that we tried and and that worked like you said quite well yeah uh, another thing that we tried and you can try different things with different sales people uh, as as we did um but the thing we ended up with and correct me if i'm wrong here was based on gross profit rather than top line sales number and the reason for that was to incentivize finding those profitable jobs and those profitable clients as opposed to just any project. Right. That's right. That's right. So we did, you're right. In the end, we did sort of modify it to go off of gross profit. And just to remind everybody that's, you know, so instead of just looking at the gross revenue of the jobs he brought in saying, okay, let's just instead give you a much larger portion of the actual profit of that job. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that probably is, that is what we did, Jake, for sure. Um, we probably should, should come back around to that in a different, in a different podcast where we talk more about like different pay structure ideas. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily the one anybody would want to start with. No, it's, it was complex to do the math on like without you doing it. So Jake, Jake was our, um, math, math master and our CFO, and he really would work out all these calculations for us. Uh, without someone to do that, it would have been really painful. And also just to mind all the paychecks and everything. Um, so that would be, yeah, that was definitely something later, but you're right. It was a good idea because it did incentivize going for the more profitable jobs, which I, the other thing I would say that Chris was really good at was, was asking people for a lot more money for the work we were doing. Maybe it was because he was an outsider, but he could see the value of what we were doing and he was not afraid to, to ask for those bigger uh, dollars. And that is what lifted us way higher was just that lack of fear of, you know, kind of coming in and, and saying, oh, you know, uh, I'm so happy just to be making a video for you. Thank you. You know, I'll do it for whatever you give me, which is my attitude to this attitude of like, no, no, this is going to, I'm looking at this as in terms of the value it's going to bring your company, Amazon, Microsoft, whoever we're making it for. And we're going to price it according to that. Oh, I like that. Think of it first, solve their problem and think about the value of the problem you just solved. Don't to think- them, exactly. And that, that of course, there's something we should really have a nice, you know, different chat on because that's sure. that's a really killer one too. But, don't get um, stuck on your costs plus a certain number. It's it's really about what value are you providing to your at, client? At a certain point it is. I would argue that in the beginning, you kind of do have to do your costs plus a certain number because <laughs> okay. okay. you have no leg to stand on. But that's again, a different a different thing. But yeah, eventually I think finding the value and, and charging accordingly is, is perfect, but, um, okay. So let's say I, I, I've listened to us so far. Yeah. I decided to take on a salesperson. I, I want to give them, I've decided that my pay structure is going to be simple commission on the top. Yeah. New number, but I also maybe give them a small, uh, 30 K salary just to keep them floating. Uh, good luck with that these days. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, it's, hypothetically speaking. No, I know. I, I hear you. What, uh, what do I look for in the first six months? How do I know that it's going well? How do I, yeah, know? you said good... yourself that, um, that the first six months were pitiful. So how, yeah, what kept you from giving up during those six months and what, what made you know, even when sales were pitiful, that it was still worth pursuing? I think just watching um, him make these relationships, like even though 
the, the, I think that there were just always the potential of some projects that were being worked on, you know, like we would meet once a week and he'd say, well, I got this one over here. You know, I think it's going to be about 15,000. I got this one over here. It could be up to 50,000. You know, I remember he landed some big like basketball training video session thing um, in the first six months that, you know, started really small, but ultimately it was about 150,000 in, in work um, over like another year after that. So he was just hunting down anything and just watching that they're, they're hunting this down and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of work we do. He's on the right track and, and that's who we are. And, 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 and then he, they're going on the set. They're just generally jiving well with the crew. Um, I'd say those are the things you're looking for, but that they're, they just need that they're meeting with you on a weekly basis and showing you a lot of ideas and, and, and groundwork, moving the needle with each one of those clients. Well, what's going on with that client? How are you moving forward with that client? You know, what, mm -hmm. what's this week's like little baby step forward with that client. And, you know, along the way, we try to come up with things like, you know, different like pricing structures for our product and everything. And that was a huge failure, but we can talk about that later. But mostly it was just that he was so engaged and so diehard working towards these different clients, probably 75% of whom did not work out, but just that 25% was just enough to keep him interested and keep me interested and uh and and ultimately made it all made it all work it was just honestly you're just looking for little teeny gains just little gains of saying wow you know and and in the beginning i think i pointed him and a lot of clients like okay there's a client like you know i've never been able to break down the door of and they would he would hunt it down and i can't tell you how how devastating sometimes it was because he would spend endless hours on some of these clients and they would just ultimately be like yeah i don't think we're going to do video actually or yeah we're going to go with somebody else but um but sometimes he would just get that little thing. So I think it's just being really, really ready to wait and, but not waiting, like, like meeting every week, at least with them, having to have that sales meeting once a week, where you just look at all the potentials, look at all the, you know, you should have a number for each one of those jobs. Oh, we think that's 15. We think that's 10. We think that's 12. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's good to know what you think your, your profit on those might be too, but that might not come along until later, but just that you feel like that needle is moving and that that group of potentials is growing. And if the, if it's not growing and if it's, if it's just stagnant and there's no, you know, what were, what were the conversations you had with them this week? That kind of thing. If none of that's happening, let it go, get it out. They might be a great person. They probably are, but I wish we would have let go of that other person just way, way earlier for her sake and ours. Cause we just kept on trolling along doing training and training and training, learn our product. No, that's if, if you're, there's not that much training to do quite honestly, there just isn't. It's just, you just dive in and, and get people stoked about making videos. Mm -hmm. So you got to have that self-starter. You do. It's not. It's, that knows and loves video. It's not rocket science, man. I mean, it's just, it's not like selling a printer where you're like, I got to learn all the features. I got to learn like why this is going to save them so much money and all that kind of stuff. Selling video is like totally, totally, totally different. You have to get under the hood of the company you're selling to look around and figure out where you're going to inject value from the kind of video you could create for them and then sell them on that vision. And, and, you know, it takes understanding what a video can do for somebody. And it takes loving that process yourself because you're selling them on the enthusiasm you have for it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I was any good at it at all. Cause at least I had tons of enthusiasm, but like uh, that, that would be the, that would be the trick. Get, get it, get rid of it within two months if it's not working and you'll know, you, you'll, you'll know. Um, but when you find that right person, 
you're going to be, it's going to be awesome. I mean, that's, you, you basically have to do that to move, to move forward, to cross that million. Um, there's just, you're just not going to be able to get the kind of work that you want. I don't think, unless you have that. And I mean, he brought in Zulily, you know, uh, we did a national for them for a quarter million. Um, you know, he, he brought in uh, uh, Driscoll's who we did tons of huge projects for uh, capital one. I mean, just, I'm talking like this can work. <laughs> so uh, don't, don't be that's, afraid. That's kind of a nice thing to end on is yeah. um, what, what does that company look like after this person has started? Is your, is your revenue, it, what are the goals of that company? Is it that your revenue has doubled? Is it that you're getting better work with larger clients? Is it that what what are your goals? How do you I know? Think, I think getting better getting better work with larger clients always has to trump everything else because that'll keep the esprit de corps high in the company and the money will follow. Yeah. Um, obviously, after that, you're really watching your profit on those jobs. But better work with larger clients is going to naturally lead to bigger dollars for those shoots. And then you just have to watch that goddamn profit. Um, and that's a whole different thing we should talk about, about doing big shoots and how you can make no money on them. So hey, you um, lose a lot of money on a big shoot. Not yeah, you can lose. And there's a lot of risk. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, for the most part, the company looks just like you're doing bigger work for better clients. And then the working out of the profitability is something that you, your CFO, and that salesperson all have to work out together. And that, that, that takes a little more time, but you, you have nothing to work out if you don't have the work. <laughs> mm -hmm. That makes sense. You know, so it's like one kind of leads the other. And honestly, everyone will show up pretty stoked for work when they're making a Capital One ad. Like, it's like pretty fun, you know, as opposed to like, okay, let's go make another, you know, car salesman ad or something like that. You know? <laughs> then yeah. It's kind of a drag and you're just like, oh, it was fun like five years ago, but I'm kind of over that now. So it, 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 the bigger jobs, the better work gets everyone stoked, gets everyone happy and, uh, and is just a lot more exciting all around. And, and eventually, you know, we'll teach you on these podcasts how to actually make any money from those. So, so I think we've, we've had some great brainstorming ideas on, on salespeople, how to find them, yeah. what they should look like. And we've yep. also come up with some great ideas for future podcasts where we could just yep. dive in on one of those individual things. That yeah. We and we look forward to having guests on this podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're someone that runs a uh, production company and you got some ideas, um, you know, uh, give us, give us a holler. And we will, you know, talk about having you on the show because we are looking for more folks to have on the show. We just want to expand the conversation about business uh, in video production on this podcast and hopefully teach folks things. And of course, we very much hope you'll try our software, which we put everything in our lives into to make work. Um, we put everything we learned over 15 years, both Jake and I, into and we really hope that uh, you'll give it a shot, you know, at uh, videopipeline.io. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a free trial there. We do really encourage you to do a demo with us. We can walk you through it. It's, it's, it's got a lot of features and it doesn't hurt to have someone walk you through it, but, uh, awesome. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Thanks Jake. That was fun. And we will see you next time. See you next time.